welcome back to our podcast. I'm Beth Husted and I'm pleased to be joined today by Karen from Square Health. Karen works with our recent guest from the previous podcast, Sam, and she's a specialist in diet, nutrition and health coaching and in a previous life was a physiotherapist. So we're both from Allied Health Professionals many, many moons ago. So welcome, Karen. Thank you, Beth. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased and looking forward to today. Definitely. Fabulous. So this podcast, anyone who knows me or has listened to any of the previous podcasts, this topic is very close to my heart for so many reasons. Um, Personally and professionally, I know the impact alcohol can play in people's lives. I actually did a podcast quite a few years ago now um, with Drink Aware. And I have to say it was one of the most influential podcasts that I've done. it was influential to me and it made an impact on on some of my habits actually but i've been thinking for a while that it's time for a new one so it's really important for us to to bring up those new topics a lot's changed since we did that last podcast um we've been through a pandemic for one and i know <laughs> i certainly did not reduce my alcohol intake. In fact, I was ordering cases of Whispering Angel during the pandemic. Uh, But something else that has happened since I did the last podcast is the rise of the sober curious. And this term is a new term that hasn't been around. I I don't think it definitely wasn't around when we recorded the podcast with Drink Aware. There are so many more non-alcoholic drink options than ever before. And social media has more and more of an uprising of those people who are interested in not drinking anymore or or trying as a certain period of time um, alcohol free. So I wanted to revisit this topic with a fresh set of eyes. So thank you for coming along, Karen. And it'd be interesting, actually, if you can kind of share why you think this topic is actually so important in your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think for me, Beth, I mean, talking about my past career, um, I was a physiotherapist many, many years ago. And, you know, and I've I've spoken to you about the story, but it really was my turning point in a, in a way because I was working on the wards in acute hospitals and seeing the end stages of, you know, lifestyle choices. Not always, you know, sometimes there's more than one reason for someone um, getting, you know, a disease of some sort. But, you know, I, I was really just overwhelmed by it, really. Um, you know, the, the hopelessness that you feel at the end stages of a disease for the patient and the families, you know, it's absolutely tragic. And, um, you know, I was really thinking, how can I be part of more of the solution, you know, and prevention of these of these um, diseases? And I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, having people having awareness of how things affect their health and lifestyle. And but really important, I think, for me is, you know, working with people to to find something that's balanced, you know, because I think people feel like they have to be perfect to be healthy, but we need to find something that's balanced and something that's sustainable and realistic to follow, you know, so it's it becomes a lifestyle rather than so restrictive that you end up, you know, just falling off the wagon, you know, <laughs> two weeks later. You It's got to be realistic and it's got to be balanced yeah. and it's got to be a lifestyle. Yeah, so that that's my reason. I'm very passionate about this this area. You're right, though, with it being a lifestyle, because it's a lifestyle to include drink or where you eat and all of that sort of stuff. And it's a lifestyle choice to gain kind of reduce that as well. So it is a lot to do with how you put your everyday 
approaches, plans in place in order to actually achieve things, but not be miserable. You know, like it's not all kale and 5Ks. You can you can have a nice balance all the time. So I wanted to to cover a few areas today. What I, what I wanted to go through. So firstly, as you mentioned about that kind of, you know, the really sad end of life piece where, you know, the health risks are there and people have, have been unable to choose a different option. But also we can't beat around the bush. Alcohol impacts your health and well-being along with your mental health. So we've got health risks. We've got health and well-being, mental health. The relationship between low mood and alcohol, I think, is quite a reciprocal one. You know, you don't know where the other one starts and the other stops. Someone might have a couple of drinks and then actually their mood gets lower, not at the time, but later. And then you end up thinking, oh, I feel really miserable. I'm going to have a, have a drink and cheer myself up. And there's this kind of never ending. So I, I mean, I might be wrong, but I feel like there's a bit of a never ending cycle of having a drink can actually then later on lead you to more low mood and vice versa. And you can actually go down quite a, a, a sad story. Or I have seen it where you know that, oh God, I was out drinking on Saturday. So that means I'm going to feel a bit miserable or a bit low or a bit anxious. And you just have to suck it up and get on with it. But if you've not got that awareness, you think that the the solution is is the drinking. So yeah, the sign of relationship between low mood and alcohol then there's actually kind of cancer risks and other health issues which obviously you was talking about just now Karen so can you you take us through those risks the risks that we see and know of that are you know actually related to alcohol yeah sure Beth um so just to just as a little introduction really I mean the NHS you know, have guidelines around moderate drinking recommendations for people. So you're aiming for 14 units a week, a week for men and women. It's the same. Um, and it's that's not what, a goal, though, is it? A target. <laughs> this, is a, <laughs> yeah, this is not like you have that's to your minimum. That. Yeah. That's your maximum. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, do a little wall chart and go for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is this is what they call moderate, you know, brings with it um, sort of moderate risk, really. But just to be clear, you know, any alcohol comes with risk okay so it's not like if you only drink 14 units a week you're safe and you want nothing it will ever happen to your health it, you know any alcohol comes with risk so but this is the guy you know the sort of limit they they set to say you know this is what we feel is you know moderate risk for people try and stay under this you know that's that's the message um you know try not um have that all in one night, you know, <laughs> if you can um, try and have some nights off alcohol in your week and in the rest of the, the units, the 14 units, you can spread out over a few nights. You know, that that's the sort of guidelines. So that's when we talk about health risks um, and we will well, go through them now. There's many, many health risks, sadly, that come with with alcohol drinking. Um, so I'll just go through them and then we can always, you know, unpick a few of them later on but the first one I would say and it's probably the less obvious one is how it affects our blood sugar levels you know it's something we don't think about necessarily or you, you may think of it but it's so important for overall health and we, we might touch on this a little bit later to keep our blood sugars nice and consistent as much as we can because you know it prevents things like weight gain it prevents things like diabetes in the future um, hormone disruption all these sorts of things so that that for me is is one of the key um things I cover with clients a lot I've you know in our sessions. known that about blood I mean yeah. I know blood sugar is a massive deal but I hadn't yeah which is silly really because most alcohol is made up quite a lot of sugar isn't it it is it's it's yeah. really you know dense calories you're drinking dense calories and a lot of it you know is the sugar mm. um, 
So that that is a big one that I do like to to sort of start with with people really. Um, so is that just a, just for me to cut? So I, if I drunk some, you push your blood sugar quite up at that point, and then I'm assuming what the next day or after you stop drinking, that's when you have a big dip. Absolutely, yeah. So what happens, that yeah. might trigger when you're like, oh god, I've got to eat this, and most people eat bad food the day after because their blood sugars are all out. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my that god, that makes so, yeah. much, so much sense. <laughs> I thought it was just yeah. you had this alcohol that needs yeah. soaking up. Yeah. No, <laughs> but you're, the bad, the babs, Yeah, no, absolutely. Craving that to to, yeah. to try and balance your sugars out. Fascinating. Yeah. It is amazing, and that's that's why we go for those types of foods, those high energy, quick fix, you know, comfort foods in a way because we're we're on the the dip after the high you know <laughs> we've had the blood sugar high now we're on the dip so um so that is that is a big one and a lot of people feel that and they don't realize you know what's actually going on so that's what that is all about then obviously there's liver disease risk risk of liver disease now our liver has 500 functions you know in the body of health and well-being but what it does it will prior, prioritize metabolizing alcohol always because alcohol is a toxin and the liver will have to deal with it first so in a way we're you know if we drink moderate to to high amounts of alcohol you're almost distracting the liver from what it really needs to do in the body healthy healthy things like um, you know getting rid of cholesterol excess cholesterol in our body and um, excess estrogen which is a good interesting point you know the body, a very important function of the body is to get rid of estrogen that we don't need to, to, to get a lovely balance in our body. And the liver is, is what does that. So, you know, it's just thinking about, you know, are we taxing our livers? And, it, you know, in the, in the sort of end of the spectrum, when alcohol goes through the liver, there's always a chance that the cells of the liver can be damaged. So, and once those cells are damaged, there's no turning back. It is scar tissue and that's it so you know you want to you want to we want to love our livers we want to look after our livers um so that's another risk factor they're, they're impressive aren't they livers like the amount of work yeah. they do but what i've seen firsthand actually in a family member is that once it's done yeah. it's done like it will it will give you and give you and give you life literally life like livers just do so much but when they've had enough they don't just kind of have have a flap around and then get better like that's it done yeah. and that's quite it. unforgiving yeah. after that point yeah that's it and once scar tissue is formed you know so when the cell's damaged it will it'll become scar tissue and scar mm. tissue is just it's not it's not useful for anything it just is scar tissue so mm. you know and that's that there's then called cirrhosis of the liver so yeah you know it's a really real thing and I think especially when you were younger we think oh we'll be fine everything will be fine mm. <laughs> it'll all be fine but yeah you know, and and then we find ourselves still in our forties, thinking it'll be fine. <laughs> it'll still be fine, you know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we you know we have a blood test or something, and it's not fine. So oh, I drink three okay. liters of water a day. I'm totally cancelling yeah. it out. No, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and the other thing, you know, the big one, as you mentioned, is is the cancer risk. So every everywhere that the alcohol touches pretty much we're at risk of, of getting cancer and that is even at low levels of drinking um so you know the other interesting thing about this is that it's been linked to breast cancer so you know that's not obviously an area where the alcohol touches but there is evidence to show breast cancer can be linked to heavy drinking so you know breast cancer mouth throat esophagus liver colon rectum you know all of those are at risk it weakens our immunity this is a big one i think and especially 
you know, in the world we're living on with COVID and everything, you know, alcohol is one of those things that weakens our immunity. And I think, you know, there's many ways it can do this, but one of the ways is that it negatively impacts our gut health, our gut microbes, you know, so our in our digestive, lower digestive sort of zones, um, there are lots of microbes that we need to be healthy and happy. This is a whole topic on its own, but just to, to explain how alcohol can negatively impact this these microbes and actually encourage harmful microbes to have like an almost an overgrowth. So there's an imbalance in our gut. And of course, 70% of our immunity is in our digestive system. So, you know, you can see how it is really important to think about all these areas. And I know it feels overwhelming hearing this, you know, because it's like the risks and the bad news, but it's about finding moderation and balance just to come back to that. Um, yeah. I've never heard of that microbes in the in the gut it makes so much sense the gut is just so imperative for so many elements and you often you know if you've had a course of antibiotics or you've been quite poorly you'll be thinking of having your probiotics and having your um echinacea and all things like that to try and to try and balance yourself out yeah. but why are we not then putting the same effort in even just post post going out for example you should probably be putting some time and effort in after that to, to help your gut out again I suppose. Your gut absolutely yeah. helps support it um, and then sort of circling around to the the mental health um, aspect that you mentioned you know that one of the psychological explanations for this or you know maybe biological explanations is that as you know you start off drinking a, a certain amount and it gives you that happy feeling calm feeling and then you know a couple of months later you think actually I need a bit more alcohol to get that same feeling you know so the more you know we, we sort of our, our drinking sometimes creeps up um but and then the more we drink the more the lower we're gonna feel the next day and that's that's where you as you say you know you get to this horrible downward spiral a little bit where you know you're drinking more you're feeling worse it affects you know literally our mood changes you know mood swings um anxiety depression if someone has suffers from anxiety and depression already it will really affect you know make that a lot worse and if someone who's never had anxiety or suffered with anxiety might start thinking why am I feel you know why am I suddenly feeling like things are you know I'm worrying about things I never used to worry about you know the next day and you know so it really does affect that and it damages our you know can damage the nervous system and that is you know obviously heavy drinking over time then that that sort of thing can, can happen so th those are the main the main risks really Beth really cheery <laughs> But happy in, news yeah. yeah do you know what though it's these are all potentially avoidable this is this is doing all of this stuff not in the moderation obviously you said there's risk attached to everything but it's when things can become you know if you are having a few drinks not having those days off some because some people I know they're like oh I'll have a couple of wines every day for example like just to help me unwind and that is only a couple of drinks but that's seven days a week and that isn't giving that kind of gut break, liver break, any of those things as well. And actually, what are you relying on emotionally to have those drinks? You're not processing. We've talked about this before, but you're not kind of something you're not processing and you're using something else to kind of manage that. There's a lot wrapped up into all of this. And we're not trying to, if you're listening to this podcast going, this is out of order. I'm never going to drink again. I know my husband listened to one of my podcasts once and he was listening to it on the train home from work and he was he's had a drink 
And I mentioned something about alcohol, <laughs> the negative, and he turns it off. He went, I'm not listening to you anymore. You ruin all my happiness. <laughs> it's like, it's not about trying to stop. It's about the moderation. And this is the conversation that we had before as well. Drinking, if you're drinking too much, you can cut it down. You can reduce your risks as a result. It's not black and white like smoking. If you smoke, 100%, it's related to, to health risks. There isn't any choice. Don't smoke, full stop. There's no wiggle room. Alcohol, you can reduce it. You can maybe just have a drink every now and then and really make a much bigger impact on your mood and on your health risks. So this is kind of not saying don't do it. And as you mentioned before, like in moderation within a good lifestyle. But we know there is, as you just said, all these health risks. We know there's a lot of benefit from not drinking. There is good stuff that comes from actually cutting out, not cutting out completely alcohol. We're never, we're not trying to say that, but seriously thinking about what relationship you have with alcohol. Um, we've already said, well, I've spoke about it before, but there is specifically in the UK and probably in a, quite a few other countries, there is a real drink culture. And I actually heard, so it was, well, it was Spencer Matthews. I don't know if that makes it better or not, but he's a reality star, but he runs He's the CEO of a, like a non-alcoholic spirits company, Clinco. And he was saying, if you told someone, I've given up drugs, I've got, an, I've got a cocaine addiction or whatever, they would applaud you. They'd say, well done. That's really, really, really important that you do that because it's really bad for you. But if someone says, oh, I'm not drinking or I don't drink, they're like, well, why? It's like it's not acceptable. People always question the individuals going, oh, what are you going to do? How are you going to have fun? And it's like you just cannot conceptualise that someone is just not wanting to participate in something that is kind of the epicentre of every piece of socialising, I think, in, in particularly in the UK, but probably elsewhere as well. And that is the kind of culture that we're living in. So it makes it incredibly hard. You know, if you go out for a meal with friends and you don't have a drink, they're like, what, what are you not drinking for? And it's like a big thing that you have to justify. I also, this is something that was raised on the last time I spoke about alcohol. It was really interesting and it was something I hadn't thought of before. We tend to surround ourselves with people that let us indulge in those behaviours that we like. So if that's sports, you know, you might have more sporty friends and then you'll all do more sport and encourage each other. But then if they like drinking, you've got friends that like drinking or some people that do recreational drugs, like you'll just then have that group of people. So you'll just endorse it and encourage each other. And that perpetuates the cycle as well. So it's almost like, do I have to give up my friendship group to have? So it is, you know, I think there is this whole culture piece. But as I said at the beginning, there is this new group of sober curious. I've seen countless kind of celebrities on um, social media talking about being sober curious. I was at um, an event recently. I was guest speaking at an event and one of the chaps that was running it for me as we, we left the venue together and he, he said, oh, I gave up drinking a year ago. I just needed to give it up for my own health and well-being. Um, we talk about it so much I just thought I'd better do it. So I've been just, you know, how much more are you hearing about this kind of the more awareness, being sober curious? There's loads of terms where you hear that that term anxiety, you know, like people are so anxious when they're hungover. Is that why? Is that why we're getting more of a, an increase? Or, or um, is it a fallacy? It's not really there. No, you're absolutely right, Beth. I mean, sober curious was actually a concept originated from a lady called Ruby Warrington. So I'll give her full credit for this. Um, and she's written a book if you want to go and find it. But it really is, it's really about, you know, questioning the norm. You know, what why, you know, why am I okay with feeling 
rubbish the next day? Why am I okay with letting alcohol affect my health? You know, is this is this normal? You know, should I should I accept this? It's it's challenging the norm, isn't it? It's it's, it's almost quite empowering because you you sort of thinking right no actually I want to put my wellness first. Whether that means you just cutting down or giving up completely, that's your personal choice, you know. But it's it's almost like empowering yourself and saying, right, I, you know, I actually choose not to want to feel like this, and I actually choose not to feel like I have to have a drink to have fun um, and be confident in that, you know, and, and choose that as a lifestyle. Um, but also exploring the reasons why you are drinking. I think that's important. I think you touched on it a minute ago, but this is something that I talk a lot with my clients about is what what are you searching for what what feeling are you searching for what what is that, that that's driving you to to have that glass of wine or that GNT which which is my favorite really it's a, it's that sort of calm that happy and sometimes it's just a bit of happiness at the end of a boring day <laughs> you know it could be anything for anybody you know your reasons are different to my reasons so and often we need to get a little bit, you know, deep with that and just explore it a little bit. And, you know, there are ways of finding other healthier things to fill those and make you feel the same, but without impacting your health with alcohol or f- food or, you know, that's that's another topic. So, you know, there was, there was a stage of, you know, probably about f- four years ago, just before COVID really, where I was, um, I enjoyed a couple of GNTs in the night, but then I found that I couldn't, I wasn't in the mood to do any work, you know, I was running my own business. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I had these goals of where I wanted to be as a business owner, but I was actually holding myself back because I could be so much more productive if I just didn't have the GNDs, GNTs at night. And it can be, or as you say, it can impact you the next day at work if you're not, if you're someone who, you know, works um, in the office or whatever, or, you know, is it is it holding you back from your career goals? You know, you, you need to be operating at, you know, this level, but you're feeling like every day you just, you're just getting through, you know, <laughs> exhausted and feeling a bit like, oh, because you were out the night before or whatever, or, or just had, you know, there's more people drink from home nowadays anyway. So, because it's a lot cheaper and we can do it, you know, without, without anybody judging us or telling us to not have any more or whatever, <laughs> whatever. So, you know, I think sober curious, you know, I really do see an increase in it with the clients that I see. A lot of people are just choosing not to drink or, you know, drinking less and feeling quite confident in that choice, you know, feeling like, yeah, I want to put my health and my mental health and my personal well-being first. And and this is why, you know, that that's the reason why they, they they're choosing that really. And then on the topic of anxiety, we touched on it a little bit, but it is it is an interesting little topic, this, because if you drink a good couple of drinks the night before, the next day, there is the possibility that you'll start to feel anxious um, and start, you not only think maybe what what did I say the night before? What did I, who did I text? <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. What happened? It was all 100%. a bit fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. it all a bit fuzzy. But just generally, can people can feel a little bit more agitated and down and anxious. And what happens is when we drink, the body um, stimulates what is called GABA. Okay, it's a funny old name, but it's a, it's a chemical in our body um, and it's a neurotransmitter. It's a chemical that that is in our neuro, neurological system, our nerves, you know, and it's called GABA. And when GABA is on the increase, so the more we drink, the more the higher GABA gets. And it's a great name. It sounds a bit like ABBA, but you know, it's a happy, it's, it makes us feel cheerful. It makes us feel calm. Okay, so the more that's we drink. That's the high you're chasing. Yeah, when you, that's the when high you think, oh, And you imagine having that drink and thinking. Yeah. I can't wait for that. It, and it, 
just that's what you want yeah absolutely that that's it you know we all know that feeling (laughs) yeah that feeling it's just like yay relaxed happy is my gabba you know but what happens is that the body then thinks okay the GABA is getting a bit high now. We need to we need to balance this out, okay? So it will it will raise other things to balance that GABA out, and those things that it raises will make you feel a little bit itchy and anxious the next day. So there's there's a number of things going on. You know, mentally you're worried about maybe what happened, or you know shouldn't have said this or whatever. But there's also a chemical thing going on in your body that's actually exacerbating it. So it's interesting. Because you, you drink, you lose your inhibitions a bit, which is what people are looking forward to. It's just that feeling that, you know, you're up tense, uptight a lot, all, a lot of the time. So you chase that like kind of relaxed feeling, but your bodies don't work like that, do they? For every, you know, negative chemical that's in your body, your body's going to try and counter that with a positive and then vice versa when you think. So that's, I think it's the, that biochemical piece in the brain. People don't really recognise how important it is and what a massive factor you're playing with alcohol. Aren't you? Yeah, that's so true. Get the yeah, and it and it also is you know often as as you know it's it's exacerbated by poor sleep. So when we have alcohol, what happens is it keeps us out of deep restorative sleep, and we've all experienced that. I'm sure you know from time to time you do, you get the odd person that will just sleep like a log no matter what, <laughs> no matter what, and they're very annoying, you know. But you know most of us will will feel the effect of of alcohol, and it keeps us in that restless sleep. And and you know over time you can imagine the impact that you know that will have on our health because sleep is such a foundation to our health. But um, you know if you haven't slept properly you've had a heavy night drinking, you haven't slept properly, um, you wake up the next morning feeling anxious, you're going to you're gonna end up going for the wrong foods, you know, you feel awful, you know, it really has this knock-on effect. So, yeah, another reason to reduce that alcohol. Yeah, well, there's, there's, there's you know, it is fascinating how it can imbalance as well. But you was, you was also mentioning to me the impact that alcohol can have on your hormones and things like that as well and be fascinated to just share that insight because it's something well now I feel like I'm going through the perimenopause uh, I've actually reduced my alcohol content at alcohol I am probably full of alcohol but I reduced my alcohol <laughs> intake it coinciding actually with entering this stage I don't know if it was conscious or not but I started getting really bad heart palpitations but they were particularly made worse when I had more alcohol uh, or coffee, but obviously you have to push through with the coffee or you can't live. <laughs> so I just start to get through. They've, they've tapered off a bit now, um, but I feel like I could notice alcohol would play havoc on the, the heart palpitations as well. So you were mentioning there is that menopause perimenopause yeah. relationship with alcohol too. Absolutely, yeah. So when we so when we're entering the perimenopause our um, body gets more resistance to insulin. So if we go back to this whole image of the blood, um, you know, bloodstream, imagine that you have a glass of wine and the sugar from that glass of wine goes into your bloodstream. When it reaches a certain level, the, the body sets off little alarm bells, right? Sugar in the blood, sugar in the blood, sugar in the blood is not desirable for the body. It damages the blood vessel walls. It causes causes chaos, really. So the body has to deal with that excess sugar okay so the first thing that happens is it brings this big giant key or hormone called insulin which you've all heard about and if you imagine it as a key it's a good image to have because what it what it does it does a few things the first step it does is opens our cells 
So it unlocks the cells and says, right, cells, take the sugar in. Come on, everybody, take as much as you like. They take it up. And then once the cells are full, the insulin thinks, okay, we still got blood and we still got sugar in the bloodstream. What are we going to do now? And it stores it a little bit of stored as glycogen in the muscles, in the liver, things like that. But the final step is it's stored as fat. Okay. So every every blood spike we have, blood sugar spike we have, encourages our fat to be stored. You know, so it's not good news for 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 people who are wanting Beth to shift weight. This is making so much sense in my life now. Beth, you're going, oh my goodness, <laughs> oh my god, I need to change everything. <laughs> no, and it, it, this is what awareness is all about. You know, just because once once we all understand this, I think it's often easier to think, okay. I need to take and just small steps is fine, you know. So, so if you think of it with with perimenopause, the um, ladies going through perimenopause into menopause, their body is less sensitive to insulin. So that big key that comes along, we need more of that big key. So the key needs to be bigger to to do the job basically. So it's called insulin resistance. And that eventually leads to things like diabetes. But it is shown now that ladies that are going through perimenopause struggle with that more than when you weren't, you know, when you're in your 20s or, or that sort of thing. So we have to be even more careful about balancing our blood sugars. So and this, you know, can carry through the way we eat more, you know, obviously, but just because we're on the topic of, of alcohol, you know, wine is, is just a good example of, of that or beer or whatever your, your preference is. Um, so when you're thinking about how it affects your blood sugar, you want to think of three things, you know, firstly, it's, it's, it's storing excess sugar as fat. So we are always struggling then to shift our weight. It's like this losing battle you know because we we lose a bit and then it's storing it and then we lose a bit and then we're storing it you know it has an impact on our hormones so when when all these little interactions go on with insulin and then as the blood sugar then drops after insulin has done its thing then you get cortisol released because the blood sugar is too low now and all you know the all these little reactions that are going on have an incredible effect on disrupting our hormones so um that is you know and when you're going through perimenopause you want everything balanced don't you <laughs> you want your hormones to be doing the best they can for you so you know the the wine unfortunately is not is not helping that but also you know it puts you at risk for insulin resistance getting worse you know towards things like diabetes so it's a threefold thing sadly with with blood sugar and alcohol yeah and food you know sugary foods snacks yeah. you know yeah. carbohydrates you know, lots of carbohydrates, you know, carbohydrate heavy diet, should I say. So. And we will be having a nutrition podcast. I'm thinking it's going to be Karen that will be yes. coming along to that. So we can, we'll be yeah, carrying on this conversation. It's, <laughs> it's all related and it's all yeah. incredibly important. It's interesting, funny, what us talking through this, because I, I, I know that I always talk about the fact that every podcast I come on, I never never one that I don't learn something or don't think, oh yeah, that's that's helped a little bit. And I'm and I'm doing exactly this. I go listen to a podcast and I make a little change and make a little change to my life as a result of that. Um, you know, just from talking to you today, I thought, oh, yeah, I've already done an alcohol podcast. I know X, Y and Z. I'm low. I've, I've cut it out loads compared to how I used to. And now I'm like, actually, I can see, you know, I have struggled to lose weight ever since. Well, since I've started going through the perimenopause and it makes so much more sense because, you know you work out and you eat eat healthy but it really doesn't matter if you're adding those bits of booze or those sugary extra snacks and stuff it makes it 
absolutely. But there are clearly benefits from reduction in alcohol intake, you know, sleep, mood, energy. And and all the time, we always talk about marginal gains, those 1% things. We can't overhaul everything. And we don't want people to overhaul everything because life is about moderation. And yeah, it suits some people to be full blown into something. But as I said about, you know, your social network, etc. If everyone else isn't full blown into everything, you could be missing out on all kinds of things that make you happy. You know, hanging out with friends and socialising and doing stuff, it, it, it nurtures your well-being as well. So it's about finding that sweet spot and that kind of approach. But I, I've actually had experience um, of this kind of marginal gains approach when it comes to alcohol to booze and I've significantly induced my it reduced my alcohol intake I think it come from a number of different motivations I've always been conscious of my relationship with alcohol my dad is an alcoholic um and he went sober he had to, he had to we kind of cut him out for a bit to be honest um six years ago he just stopped drinking completely uh, it took him a while to to work out that's what he needed to do but he did that and just stopped drinking and our family has obviously been so much happier for it um because of that alcohol to me has so many negative negative connotations in my mind and I've always I've, I love a drink and everyone knows me for for the fact that I you know love going out love a drink Whispering Angels specifically we bought three bottles on the weekend with me and my mates because I just love it so much I was like I'll pay for it because I love it and I'm making you all drink it um but I've I've got this thing it's like I want to know that I'm in control so I might just take time off I'll be like well I'm going to do six weeks of now alcohol which may or may not show that there is or isn't a problem you know like when you're consciously trying to not do something because you're trying to prove it doesn't have power over you and you have power over it there's already a power struggle which would indicate something else anyway but you know going out sober not drinking just to prove I could I know I can do it but I love wine I love a party and sometimes you know alcohol is that coping mechanism you know or social cue to feel like I've rewarded myself. Oh, I had a really hard day today. I just really need a wine. Or it's Sunday. It's roasting the day. I have a little bottle, <laughs> whatever it is. But what I do know is that reducing how much I drink has significantly impacted my mood, massively given me more energy, reduced my anxiety. I exercise way more. I'm less argumentative. Um, I know really if I drink more than what two times a week or three times max, but more than two times a week, anything more than two times, my mood's rock bottom. The following week, I'm 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 low. I went out on Saturday night, had a brilliant time on Saturday night, was absolutely shattered yesterday. Um, and this morning, it feels a bit like treacle. I didn't go to the gym this morning. And I'm normally at the gym at six in the morning every day. But because Saturday night took it so out of me, you know, it, it really affects me. If I drink anything more than that, my mood goes flat. I feel bloated. I'm so lethargic. My creativity's off. My motivation's affected. So I know that reducing alcohol, because I was drinking, maybe having Mondays off, and then I would drink wine Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, loads on Saturday. So like it would be continuously. So now it's maybe once or twice a week and I can live with that and I'm happy and I will suffer those consequences of those days where it's been too much and I feel too worn out. But how we've talked so much about it being a bad thing. 
but you know people can change and you don't have to you know completely give up everything so how can people change what hints and tips have you got for someone who does want to make some positive changes Karen yeah absolutely and I think this is and this is always different for everybody but Generally, uh, you know, I'll give you some examples of the sorts of things we work through with clients. Um, but I do just want to say, if anyone feels that they are really struggling and feel like they're, they're not in control with their drinking, your first port of call is your GP to talk through that with them and get some guidance. But if if you if you feel like, you know, yes, I just want to want to cut down, I want to take small steps to sort of get a balance here, then I would say the first important thing to start with is is deciding on your reason for you know your why what they call your why so and this is important and I'll tell you why and I, a lot of people think oh you know I don't want anyone to think about that because <laughs> it's a bit too deep you know or sometimes but we do have to be very strong with the reason why we want to do something it's our it's our motivation but it needs to come from inside of us not because our other halves have told us we're drinking too much or you know it, it, that's what they call ex, in, extrinsic extrinsic can't get my words out but it needs to come from inside of us so something like you know you've spoken a bit about your background Beth and that's really powerful because I think it really influences us in our life and in our journey and I think it's a journey for some people so decide in your why and actually you know go and journal about it you know get really sure about your reasons for wanting to cut down or stop altogether whatever you think and this this you need to dig deep on this because when you have a bad day at work and you come home and that bottle of wine is there, it, it, that why needs to be so strong to, you know, because that's what's going to get you through those sort of days, you know. Um, and the other thing I would say is it's all very well setting, you know, making New Year's New Year's resolutions or goals even or, you know, but we really need to, you need to have a, a plan, an action plan. So, you know, and as clear as, you know, how many units you're going to have a week, you know, what are your, what are your danger zones? <laughs> you know, what actually, you know, we all know this, you know, cert there's certain friends or there's certain amount of drinks that we know once we go over that, that's it. We, we're lost. <laughs> we're lost I'll make any that. reasonable decisions now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've had wine free. Yeah, exactly. Don't get to wine free. Yeah, sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And you, you got to, you got to create this for yourself, you know, you know, have a, have a date when you're going to start this, you know, maybe it's no shots or, you know, it, I don't know what it is for you, but you need to know, you need to really think about you know what it's like a, a boundary your health boundaries this this is my boundary and this this week I'm you know every week I'm going to allow myself one night or two nights as you say and I'm going to stop at x amount of drinks I'm you know and some drinks are slightly less sugary than others you know so we can I'll talk about that in a minute but yeah I think that's important set boundaries and have a plan don't just think oh you know this year I'm going to reduce my drinking and you tell everyone that and then you haven't got a plan and it actually you know smart but, goals yeah. here smart <laughs> exactly. goals yeah yeah, yeah. And be really you know exact yeah. about what you're going to do yeah a lot of people have a lot of us have association with things so for example an example of this would be you know I love you know a lot of my clients say Netflix and the glass of wine comes out or cooking and a glass of wine or you know um socializing there has to be alcohol you know that there's association between two things isn't it and a lot of the time we have to actually disrupt that a little bit to to make a change you know so you know so you don't have to stop socializing I think that's everyone's fear you know but why don't you do something different with your friends for a change you know go to the movies go bowling I know it sounds ridiculous but it's actually hilarious fun you know it's stuff that you just don't normally do so just something different um 
you know, I don't know, go for a cooking course together or just just do something different, you know. We had to do that last year, actually, because one of my friends was pregnant and our normal activities is is a bottomless brunch or something. And we were like, we want to hang out, but that's just not appropriate. And we found a, a, I want to say a field, it's like a country park kind of between the three of us. And we started going for walks, which was something walks versus bottomless brunch. But it was free and it was healthy and there was no booze. It was brilliant. So it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 uh, and then you know you know some people love cooking and having a glass of wine you know but you could you sort of you could cook and listen to podcasts something that's going to stimulate your mind and distract you a little bit from it from all of that um so you know bring in your hot bring in your old hobbies back in your to your life you know what what did you used to love what made you feel excited and creative when you were younger often we sort of have to remind ourselves of that so you know recently I've, I've restarted um taking ballet classes as an adult you know with with adults obviously <laughs> I'm not back of the class with the with the little ones but yeah as an adult and it's really challenging and you know and I'm feeling you know and it takes me out the house a couple of nights a week and just breaks the routine where sometimes we just need to break the routine of life you know and re you know get inspired again I think that's that's important um and then more practical you know and I think everyone sort of knows some of this but you know there's 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 alcohol free drinks alternatives there's lower alcohol alternatives but there's also you know switching from something like wine to less sugary drinks like just a dash of gin lots of tonic water lots of lemon and and lime you know things that are quite refreshing and feel like you're having a little bit of a treat but nothing too heavy you know so lighter drinks like that I think that's that's you know something to to think about there's lots of ideas online you know alcohol-free cocktails and alcohol-free alternatives lots lots of stuff online you can google um you know but again think about the sugar because a lot of them have still have sugary (laughs) lemonades or whatever but yeah so think pick something that's not too sugary but um yeah, I think that that's the the main thing. And and the the last thing I'd say is, you know, get back in touch with the actual amount you're drinking. So often we think, oh, I'm probably on about I don't know ten units a week. But you know, just set yourself a little bit of a fun exercise, and for a couple of weeks, just measure your alcohol. You know, get Google NHS units, and they'll they'll give you the the mLs of everything. You know, um, and you know, just just get get in touch with the actual units you're having a week because it might surprise you <laughs> it might be better <laughs> but it might be it might yeah. be worse you know um well, I wanted to just give an example of something actually so a 330 ml bottle of beer um is 1.7 units okay whereas a pint of beer is three units so you can see how the amount mm. that you have is quite a different and it's just, it goes the same with wine you know um so just just have a little give yourself a little exercise um yeah and just yeah really get clear on what you're having where you want to go and then just put an action plan in place you know and um get yourself some help and advice it's, it's often on the back of bottles as well isn't it it will tell you how many yes. um units you're going to be having so it is worth tracking this has been so insightful like I said I've taken so many things away already for myself so many things I've I've learned particularly that blood sugar one that's really in the insulin piece for me I think and now I'm it makes you question well do I want to make that choice because this is going to be what the the outcome is I'm not going to not I'm going away on for a long weekend this weekend I'm not going to not drink anything but it just makes you more mindful but that bit you were saying about be realistic 
thinking about how your lifestyle is actually working for you. Um, obviously, if you are really concerned, you can go to the GP. Also, as part of the Help at Hand app, you have the ability to create complete the 360 assessments and that can take you to the um, six nutrition sessions that you can have with Square Health. So you could be meeting um, Karen to have these have these six sessions where she could support you with the, the diet, the alcohol approach um, and in that kind of marginal gains way. Um, they do um, nutrition, personal um, uh, personal training, and they also do lifestyle management. So that these could be really beneficial as a, as a support tool for you for yourself as well. So just have a little think about what your health boundaries are, what your why is, thinking even about low or no or replacement alcohols, but don't you don't need to give everything up. You just need to be mindful um, to reduce those health risks. We've just listed how many there were. Um, so hopefully we'll be getting Karen back for the podcast, the kind of nutrition podcast, which I think would be great. Thanks. Babe. Thank yeah. you so much for your time, Karen. Yeah, pleasure. It's been great. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Fantastic. Yeah. And we'll see you for the next one. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.